Well, amen. If you got a Bible, go ahead and take it out to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Uh, this is the, the last week of our It's Not a Question of If series. It's more or less a series on spiritual disciplines and kind of the core rhythms that we as followers of Jesus need to have uh, if we're going to actually engage with Jesus in the way that uh, the Bible explains that we should. Uh, our first week in this uh, series, we looked at the importance of reading our Bible, understanding that, hey, there's a lot of voices in our life that um, are going to shape and form how we interact with one another, and that as we read God's Word, we actually hear God's voice and know what He wants for us. Week two, our lead pastor, Matt, helped us unpack the importance of relating to God in prayer and the, the discipline of fasting as we submit our, our desires and our, our satisfactions to the Lord and, and find that our ultimate satisfaction is from Jesus. And then this last week, we got to unpack the joyous uh, discipline of Sabbath, that it's not a question of if us as followers of Jesus are going to burn out. It's not a question of if we're going to feel tired or exhausted. It's a matter of when, and then when we are burned out and tired and exhausted, what are the rhythms that we have within our lives uh, that actually help us get to deeper communion with the Lord. And tonight we're going to cap off the series talking about responsibility. The responsibility that we have as followers of Jesus, it's not a question of if right now you have responsibilities in your life, relationships, money, um, career, kind of aspirations, uh, different things that you are within possession of that you're responsible for dealing with. And it's, it's not a question of if you're going to have them, it's a question of when and how you're actually going to steward those. And my hope and prayer tonight, as I wrestled with this text this week, is very simply that I would give you a vision for gospel-centered, kingdom-shaping stewardship for your life. That the responsibilities that you have would not be so focused on the earthly, temporal realities of, hey, what's right in front of me right here in college but hey, like this four years is actually, it's a launching pad for the next 40 years of walking with Jesus. And so tonight, I hope to give you a vision for responsibility, a vision for gospel-centered stewardship. So if you've got your Bible, Matthew 25, verse 14, let's read this narrative together. I'm going to offer some thoughts, and then we will be done for the evening. Verse 14, this is the parable of the talents. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says this, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. 
His master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 24. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for this text. I thank you for the opportunity that you, we even have that God, as the, the sovereign creator of the universe, the Lord and Savior of all, you've, you've chosen for some reason to give us responsibilities. You've given us relationships. You've given us finances. You've given us uh, spiritual, weighty realities to, to take care of. And that, God, I pray that tonight we would have a vision for kingdom stewardship, that we'd have a, a reverent love for you and who you are, and that we would cultivate and live a life where we're not living for the world, but we're storing our treasures in heaven. We're investing our time, talent, and treasure for the glory of God and for the good of others. Jesus, give me words. Give us wisdom. Open the eyes and ears. Comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted. It's in your son's precious name that we pray. Amen. Well, one of my uh, favorite YouTube pastimes when I have the chance to get onto YouTube, uh, I love watching Bob Ross. Yeah, who was right? Uh, the guy is a wizard, all right? If you've ever watched Bob Ross, uh, the man is an artist amongst artists. He uh, takes a canvas and just goes to town for 28 to 30 minutes and makes these unbelievable paintings. Like, it is absolutely incredible. And um, just a couple weeks ago, my girlfriend Gracie and I had a little double date with another couple in our church. Uh, we had a, a nice little dinner out, and then we had a little Bob Ross art night. Uh, this first photo up here, um, this is the, the Bob Ross, this is the one that we did. So this is uh, Towering Peaks, episode, or season 10, episode 1. For those of you that are curious, you want to go watch it. Uh, so this is, this is Bob Ross. He did this. This is real. I just screenshotted YouTube at 8 o'clock this morning, Okay. So this is Bob Ross, Towering Peaks. The guy's a G, folks. If you haven't watched him, let's, let's give, give yourself a little 30-minute runway tonight. Watch some Bob Ross. You'll go right to sleep, okay? Um, so happy little trees, if you know what I mean. Um, so Bob Ross did this, right? And I, I'm a perfectionist. I can be a little arrogant sometimes. And so I'm like, I've watched enough of this guy's videos. I can do this. Like, it's not really that hard. You just throw some paint on it. Mix a little liquid white with stuff and just, you know, things magically happen. <laughs> uh, so ideal is, this is ideal. Uh, next slide, this is reality. <clears throat> this is actually what I painted. <laughs> um, uh, ne next slide is like the side-by-side. -side. Yeah, there we go. 
So basically identical, right? There's absolutely no difference. That's what I'm saying. Which one's Bob Ross's Noah? That's right. Ideal versus reality. <laughs> so I, I had been given instructions, right? I literally had like a step-by-step video. Bob Ross is the best guide you could have for this. I literally had a, a step-by-step instructions. I had been entrusted with various resources. I had a blank canvas. I had brushes. I had oil paints. I had uh, the strong support of three other great human beings with me. I had paint thinner. I had all of these different things, right? I had a task to complete. I needed to complete the Bob Ross. I started out pretty well. Uh, the, the blue sky was probably the easiest part. I'm going to be honest with you, I got pretty frustrated about two minutes in. I got pretty lazy, and I lost interest and just started throwing paint on the canvas. Friends, I had forgotten the end goal, and I didn't trust the holistic process. For as silly as it is, I didn't trust the process. I just wanted to be done with it. It took us three hours to get through a 30-minute video. <laughs> So I got stuck in the mundane of painting the mountain, this little tree, the bushes. I was trying to get the perfect reflection, which really just looks like black goop. I had lost sight of the end goal and the purpose of it all. And friends, if we don't stick with the process, we can, we can have all the resources. We can have the paint, we can have the canvas, we can have the friends, we can have all these different things. But guys, if we steward our resources poorly and we lose sight of the entire process, we lose sight of the end goal, which is the left-hand side of this, if we lose sight in the mundane, we lose sight in the difficulty of getting to the end, we don't zoom out to see what the end goal actually is of this painting or in the parallel here in this story of our lives, if we're not stewarding the resources that God has given us, then our painting... It's going to look like the right-hand side, and our lives are going to be a mess. And so tonight, what I want to do is I want to unpack the importance of stewardship, the responsibilities that we have. And the first thing I want to do is I want to look at why it's important. We're going to look at why it's important, then we're going to look at how we get it wrong, and then we're going to look at, very simply, how we actually do it. So verses 14 and 15 It says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability, and then he went away. So there's four characters, right? There's a master. He has these different servants. He has three servants. One, he gives five talents. A second servant, he gives two talents. And a third servant, he gives one talent. What's a talent, you ask? Talent, biblically, is 20 years wages for a laborer. So one talent is equivalent to 20 years wages for a laborer. So each man, this master, is going away on a journey a long ways away. He's given each of them a talent or two or five according to their ability. Now, each of us as followers of Jesus, if you're in Christ and been bought by his blood, have God given talents and resources that God has entrusted to you to steward. Every single one of us. He's entrusted to us these gifts, these talents to steward for one, the glory of God, and two, for the good of others. Stewardship, very faithfully defined, I'm using that word a lot tonight, is this. 
faithfully investing the resources and giftings entrusted to you for the eternal glory of God and the good of others. Stewardship is faithfully investing the resources and giftings entrusted to you for the eternal glory of God and for the good of others. Romans 16, Paul tells us that each of us has a unique gifting given to us in accordance to the grace of God. And Peter tells us in 1 Peter 4 that our unique gifting is given to us in order that we may love and serve our brothers and sisters in Christ. So again, God has entrusted us with perhaps material, relational, and spiritual things to be stewarded. And as followers of Jesus, we've been assigned responsibility. Not just that, we've actually been entrusted with the care and protection of these different things that God has given us. Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God gives Adam and Eve dominion over the the world, over the, the animals and the plants, and he tells them to be fruitful, multiply, to cultivate his image. And a lot of us wonder, like, how then shall we act until Jesus' return, right? We live in the middle of the already and the not yet. For those who are in Christ, we know the eternal realities. Jesus is coming back. But we still live in a sinful world with a lot of unanswered questions. This parable expresses and unpacks our need to serve the king while he's gone before he returns. Because this master who in this story is God, he goes away on a long journey. And friends, the question tonight is, what has God entrusted to you to steward? What has God entrusted you to steward? Let's take an inventory. Perhaps it's material. It could be monetary. You could literally have actual money in your bank account. Some of you probably don't have much at all, and that's okay. You might have a car that God has entrusted you to steward. And if this seems really low level, it's, it's honestly not. Do you have clothes? Are you pursuing a college degree? Are there aspirations that you have? There's monetary things that God has given you to steward. How about relational? Many of you have come tonight with friends. Many of you have family members. Many of you guys have significant others. You aspire to marriage. You aspire to have kids. God has given you right now relationships to steward. And for many of you, you will have more relationships to steward when that time comes. And most importantly of all, for those who are in Christ, he has given us the weighty importance of stewarding the spiritual realities of life. Again, in Romans, Paul says, how beautiful are the feet of those who carry the good news. That God has, in the Great Commission, said, go, therefore make disciples, teaching them, Showing and telling the gospel, the Lord Jesus, the Savior of the universe, has entrusted us to steward the good news of the gospel and take it to every tribe, tongue, and nation. But verse 19 says this, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. In other words, he comes back to see, what did the three men do? with what he had given them. The, the resources that he had stewarded to them, how did they steward it? Friends, Jesus is coming back. And for those who are in Christ, that is a joyous reality. And Paul tells us in Romans that we actually, every single one of us will have to give account to God on judgment day, even if you're in Christ, for the way that you stewarded the time, talent, and treasure that God has given you. And for those who are not in Christ, the day of judgment 
will be a day where you also still have to give account for the things that God has given you to steward. And you also have to give an account for your soul. Friends, when Jesus comes back, how will he find you? What will he say about the resources he has given you to steward? Will he find you being a faithful, diligent, honorable servant, or a wicked, lazy, slothful servant? So we know it's important, but how do we get it wrong? What I want to do here is that I really want to zone in on this third servant, the one talent guy. He's a curious character in this passage because I like to identify with the two talent, the five talent guy. It's like I'm just, I'm stewarding what the Lord's given me. Hallelujah, praise God, let's get it going, okay? But the one talent servant, I want to zone in on him for a little bit. We have a lot to learn about him. Verse 18. But he who had received the one talent, get this, he went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Why? Because the other two guys have gone on and multiplied the talents that the master had given them. Five turned into ten that we'll see in just a moment, and two turned into four. So what happened? Verse 24. We're kind of bouncing around a little bit, but I think it'll flow. Verse 24. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, so now the master's come back, he's collecting accounts, settling accounts with these three men. He says, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seeds, so I was afraid. Take note of that phrase, afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here I have what is yours. Verse 26, but his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reaped where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. You ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So what happens? He takes the talent from him and gives it to the man who has 10 talents. Verse 29, for to everyone who has more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Friends, this is heavy. This is a heavy back part of this text. Because we get to see the true heart of this servant as he buries his talent. Let's not be so quick to assume that there's not moments in our lives where we are actually this servant. Because at the end of the day, this servant lacked faith in his master. He disbelieved the goodness of his master. He reasoned that his master might not actually come back or return at all. And one, if he did return, I, he, I could just return the talent without loss, no harm, no foul, right, master? We're all good. And if he didn't return, I can just pocket it and go away with my free 20 years wages. Right? Like, look, Jesus, I, just, I held on tight and dearly to what you gave me. Here it is. 
But friends, the pronouncement is judgment. Wicked and slothful servant, you were idle. You were lazy. You were careless. You were slothful in your work. You assumed things about the master that were wrong. You had the wrong idea about who the master was. You lacked faith and trust that the master is coming. You lost sight of the big picture. You lost sight of the end goal. And friends, as I wrestled with this text this week, the Holy Spirit absolutely broke my heart for the times in my life as I've reflected when I buried a talent. I had an opportunity to share the gospel with an unbelieving friend, and I shrunk away in insecurity. Times where I could have entered into a conversation with a friend to rebuke sin or say, hey, can we get that coffee sometime? And I didn't do it. Times where I have chosen to lash out in anger instead of stewarding the Holy Spirit inside of me and quenching the Holy Spirit to actually move in gentleness towards the people that I most care about. Where I didn't steward the giftings that God has given me for His glory. Where I didn't allow what God had given me to encourage a brother to walk deeply with a friend, to have that conversation. The neglected opportunities, as I've reflected back on the last 23 and a half years, has been many times. And friends, I pray tonight that the Holy Spirit would convict you as he's convicted me of the times where you've chosen to take the easy way out and bury your talent. Not steward the gift. Not steward the time. Because the pretty heavy reality in this text is that all that this one talent servant had was taken away. The master takes it from him and gives it to the ten talent guy. Financially speaking, the master would have actually been better off if the one talent servant had put it in the bank, he would have gotten interest off of it. Scripture says, because to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But to the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Friends, hard and wrong, unbiblical thoughts about God lead to unhealthy fear of God and an unhealthy ignoring of God's commands. And the pronouncement is judgment, slothful, wicked, unfaithful. We come to church, we come to salt, we come to the Bible, we say God wouldn't actually do blank. God didn't really say blank. The Bible doesn't actually teach blank. We can't actually really know blank. Friends, do not make assumptions about God that are not founded in Scripture. Do not make assumptions about your master without it being founded in Scripture. The Bible needs to be our ultimate and final source of truth. God does not demand brick and deny you straw. 
God does not demand brick and deny you straw to make it. Whatever is required in the new covenant is promised and fulfilled in the new covenant by Jesus Christ. See, God judges according to faithfulness, not according to usefulness. God judges according to our sincerity, not our success. I, Paulos, planted, Paul watered, but God provides the growth, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Our sincerity, not our success, it does not depend on us. God judges according to our uprightness of heart in Christ, not to the degree of our opportunities that we receive. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 11, talking about the marks of a true Christian, he says, do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent, salt company, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Friends, what God has given you, be faithful in stewarding. What God has given you, use it and steward it and be responsible for it for his glory and for the good of your brother and sister. Oftentimes, it's helpful to have another way to frame and look at conversations like this. If you've been around Anthem for any kind of extended period of time, you will have seen this before, but it's worth coming back to pretty regularly. And if this is new to you, I hope this is a blessing. I got to sit down with one of the, one of the guys in our ministry a couple weeks ago who was wrestling with stewardship and got to share this with him, and just light bulbs were going off for this young man. It was awesome. So it's a two-by-two. Two. On this bottom axis, we have our investment Right? So there, on the left-hand side, we have passive investment. And on the, the right-hand side, we have our active investment in the world. Are we kind of taking a back seat, or are we on the front lines, actively engaged with the world? On the vertical axis of this two-by-two, two, we have our perspective on life. Okay, so on the, bottom axis, or on the bottom section, it's our worldly perspective. We're focused on the temporal and the earthly, and on the top half, we have our internal perspective, where we're thinking long-term about the eternal realities of life with Jesus. So, a passive, good grief, sorry, a passive investment with a worldly perspective leads to shallowness. So, passive investment with a worldly perspective leads to shallowness. And oftentimes in our lives, this is in relationships, uh, we're going to take a back seat. We're not actually going to engage intentionally with people. Uh, we're going to focus on what's right in front of us, right? This, so this worldly perspective leads to shallow relationships, leads to shallow spending of money. It leads to all these different things. It's just kind of a low-grade cultural Christianity that we're just kind of okay with what we have right here and right now. The next movement that we have is a passive investment with an eternal perspective, which would be slothfulness. So we've moved, we're still in a passive investment, so sorry with the P's, a passive investment with an eternal perspective. So now we're like, we're taking like an even weirder backseat where it's like uh, grace is freely given so I can just kind of keep sinning and just kind of like God's going to figure it out like we're all good, right? Again, so a, a passive investment in the world, but we have an eternal perspective, which like we've kind of climbed the ladder a little bit, but just to be clear, both of these are sin. Uh, shallowness and slothfulness are both sin. And lastly, a worldly perspective with an active investment is selfishness. 
And this one is also sin. So we're actively engaged in the world, but we're doing it for personal gain. And this happens incredibly often in the church where we try, you see uh, pastors who are building their own platform. We see people who are trying to just grow ministries to have a big, uh, big platform as well. We see people that are, hey, look at me. This life is about me. Um, I'm just trying to kind of get mine and get to where I would like to be. So to be clear, all three of these that are up on the screen right now are sin. And these are the ones that identify this uh, one-talent servant in this story. He is pronounced as being slothful. He's selfish because he digs the talent into the ground. And he has a very shallow investment and uh, worldly perspective because he's lost sight of the long-term realities of life with his master. So how do we do it? We spend a lot of time on this. Um, kind of unpacking why it's important and also how to not do it. But uh, let's, let's turn the corner here. Let's round third base and let's head home. How do we do it? Verses 16 and 17. Look at these with me here. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. So again, these two servants multiplied what they had as stewards of the resources that the master had given them. Five turns into ten, and two turns into four. But let's see what the master's response is to this. Verse 20. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, and I will now set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he who had the two talents came forward saying, hey, master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, uh, I've made two talents more. His master said to him again, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master, friends. The response to both of these men is the exact same. Did you catch that? The master says to both of them, he says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, and I will make you faithful uh, over much. Or I will give you, uh, oh my goodness. You've been faithful over a little, and now uh, I will set you over much. Sorry, and enter into the joy of your master. Two things I want to point out here. Number one, comparison. Number two, discontentment. Comparison is absolutely the thief of joy, and that is sin. Uh, the second one, discontentment, is also sin. To compare yourself, the, remember, in this first section we talked about how God gives the gifts. It is not up to us to question the creator of the universe who knows far better than I do or anybody in this room does why so-and-so got that gift and I got this gift. When we begin to covet in our hearts and lust after other people's giftings and question and not steward our giftings, discontentment arises, roots of bitterness spring up, bitterness turns into envy, envy into strife, and then we see people groups, we see friend groups, we see marriages, we see all these different friendships and relationships just fracture. So when this happens, when there's discontentment, when there's comparison, it's sin. So I want to point out, 
The, the master doesn't say the five-talent servant, well done, good and faithful servant, and you're a lot better than the four-talent guy, right? It's the same exact response to both. It's about being faithful. It's not about the success. So good and correct and biblical thoughts about God lead to love for God and lead to a diligent, faithful stewardship. See, friends, they knew their master. They knew what he valued, and they had a healthy reverence and love for him. And he understood the importance of stewarding the entrusted resources they had been given. So let's come back to the two-by-two and finish it out. A active investment in eternal perspective, you guessed it, is stewardship. To have an active investment in the world, God has has given us things to steward, and we're actively engaging, we're we're fighting for biblical truth, we're engaging the culture, but hey, we have an eternal reality, an eternal perspective where we say, hey, Jesus has got it, but I'm still going to work super hard because he's given me talents he's entrusted me with to steward for his glory and for the good of others, diligent and faithful service and stewardship until the end. And I love this phrasing that he says to both of these two servants when he says, enter into the joy of your master. Friends, again, the master in the story is Jesus. And the joy of our master is getting to be with us. If you don't believe me, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. The joy that we get is him. He is the source of our joy. He is the reason that we strive. Our work and our labor is not in vain because of Christ. He's the fountain and center of our joy. And Jesus alone admits faithful stewards into his own joy in the kingdom of heaven. Joyful fellowship and joyful union with Jesus Christ is the end goal of every created man and woman. And so we can actually steward our God-given giftings, our God-given responsibilities and relationships because Jesus first perfectly stewarded his God-given responsibility of saving sinful, evil-seeking, wayward humanity. Because he was the perfect humble servant who first stewarded his strength as the gentle and lowly shepherd in joyful obedience to the Father because he knew his eternal responsibility. Jesus was the ultimate active investment in eternal perspective. Jesus was not slothful, he was not unfaithful, he was joyfully submissive, joyfully obedient to Father God and walked intimately and stepped with him knowing that we, sinful humanity, were the joy that was set before him. Jesus trusts his Father and Jesus models for us true trust and true faith in God. That the time, talent, and treasure he's given us, while our king and leader and savior is away, and we anxiously await his return, that we are meant to steward the things that he's given us for his glory and for the good of others. Jesus becomes our joy and service to him is our utmost prize. Because, friends, we're, we're beggars here on earth, but in heaven, we shall be rulers. Those that honor and serve God faithfully in the end as stewards get a crown, a throne, and a kingdom. 
We get a crown, a throne, and a kingdom. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, Paul tells Timothy, Hey, Timothy, there is a crown of righteousness that Jesus will award to everyone who perseveres to the end. You get to partake in that with the king. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 21, John, in a vision, Jesus tells him, Hey, John, you will sit with me on my throne at the end of days along with every other person who's put their faith in me. We get to reign with Jesus, and lastly, we get a kingdom with him. Matthew 25, verse 34, Jesus tells us, Hey, we inherit a kingdom prepared by him since before eternity passed. It's crazy. Before the foundation of the world, we get a crown, a throne, and a kingdom where we reign with Jesus as co-heirs for eternity. He's where the joy is found. A crown, a throne, and a kingdom. That's a promise from the king. So I'd encourage us to do some self-reflection and take inventory of your life. How are you stewarding your time, talent, and treasure for the kingdom of God? The blessings that we have been given are not evil. Money is not evil. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, but to have money is not evil, and so on and so forth. I would encourage you over the next week or so to use this two-by-two to evaluate, hey, just very honestly, between you and the Lord, where would you place yourself for your time, talent, and treasure on the two-by-two? Are you being slothful with your time? Are you being selfish with your time? Maybe you're stewarding your time incredibly well. Praise God. Pray and ask God to give you wisdom and guidance on where to take your next step. Because friends, maybe tonight for you, with your time, it may mean, hey, I need to make time to be a blessing to someone. I may need to be thinking through ways I can invest my time for the better service of others. Maybe for some of you tonight, there's, there's ways that you are passively or perhaps even sinfully filling your time that just needs to be eliminated. For some of you guys, as you're analyzing your talents that God's given you, are there needs around you that you can fill with the unique giftings God has given you? Maybe there's initiatives that God has laid on your heart. Maybe there's someone that you could bless with the gift of your specific talent. And treasure, maybe as you're pondering treasure and processing with the Lord, is there a spending habit that you need to eliminate or cancel? Friends, every time you purchase something and pull out your wallet, you are preaching the gospel. You are saying with your money, this is what I most value. This is what's worth paying for. Are there spending habits that you have that need to be eliminated? Is there a friend you can treat out to lunch or dinner and just say, hey, I want to connect. Can we talk about what the Lord's teaching us? Are you tithing to your local church? Are there needs that you know of that need funding? As you process through time, talent, and treasure, I pray that the Lord would convict you of areas where there's a place to grow and that that Jesus would meet you with the grace that you need. We start uh, exactly where you are and you walk at the pace of grace. This is not a works-based salvation where we attempt to just like push as hard as we can into stewardship. The way we get into stewardship is through the grace of God, not through your ability to do things. Because friends, at the end of the day, every single thing that we have is on loan from the God of the universe. We are vice presidents of resources that aren't actually ours. All of it, every single thing is a gift from God to be stewarded. None of it's really ours and could be taken away at truly any moment. I pray that Salt Company, we would be a people who are 
known for handling and stewarding the responsibilities that God has given us for kingdom investment and not for personal, worldly, or selfish gain. So this week, as you take inventory of the ways that you're stewarding your time, talent, and treasure, and as you wrestle with how you are glorifying God with it and using it for the good of others, my question would be, how will you use it to serve others for the glory of God and for building his kingdom, not your own? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that we can even have a kingdom vision for our lives. That you have, for some reason, entrusted to us various resources, various times and talents and treasures. God, that you have uniquely given each of us giftings through the Spirit that are beautiful and, and meant to be used to be stewarded for you. And I pray that we wouldn't be digging holes in the ground and just putting our gifts there and saying, Jesus, I just held on to what you gave me. That we'd be faithful disciples, faithful stewards of what you've given us, and that we'd be multiplying our lives as disciples who make disciples, that we would, we would have a vision for how we're investing in other people, how we're investing in the kingdom, that we're not laying our treasures up here on earth where rust and moth destroy, but we'd be placing them in heaven at your feet and saying, Lord, you're your Lord and your, your Savior, your King, I want to entrust these things to you. And Father God, you are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of, of, your, of, our, of our worship of you and the glory that you get. Lord, that's all that we need. That's all that we care about. So Father, would you help us to keep this eternal perspective in mind about how we steward what you've given us, that we would we say, hey, it's not a question of if I'm going to steward things or if I'm going to have responsibilities, but it's a question of when, Lord Jesus, I do have these things to steward, how I will use them to build up you in your kingdom. Father God, it's in your son's precious name that we pray. Amen.